Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Fantasy Injury Team podcast. Today's topic, injuries. Who can you trust in fantasy football this year? Who should you fade? Let's talk to the experts. The doctor is in. Here he is, the doctor of physical therapy, Tom Christ. Thank you, Joe. I'm, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Recording from Wildwood on a little vacation here, ready to go. A couple of weeks till uh, fantasy football starts, and uh, it's a beautiful day. Ready to record, man. You getting ready? You doing your mocks? Tons of mocks. Probably too many mocks, to be too, honest with oh, you. Oh, it's always too many. It's always. From every position, just in case. What if this happens? What if that happens? You never know. So I'll just do, you know, average of probably about a dozen mocks a day until I go crazy. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So we are the Fantasy Injury Team. You guys can find us on our website, fantasyinjuryteam.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at injury underscore fantasy. Subscribe to this podcast. We're growing every day. We've got a lot of great content for you. A little bonus to start our show, though, because it's always important to talk about the news and what's going on currently. Um, we have a, a developing story with quarterback Matthew Stafford. There's been a ton of storylines about him. He's got all these lingering issues with his throwing elbow. Um, some of the reports, you know, Stafford, the team, they've downplayed it a bunch. He says he's working through the soreness. He keeps saying that he's fine. Again, they keep downplaying it. We know Stafford. He's got a well-documented history of playing through injury. I mean, tons and tons. I mean, he's got a laundry list of career injuries. This one we're talking about is the throwing elbow. Tom, you just put out an awesome article about him. What is, what's the summary? What's the insight? What are, what are we thinking about Matthew Stafford? Yeah. So uh, you can find that article fantasyinjuryteam.com. I just put it out yesterday. So here's the thing. Los Angeles obviously is not giving us a whole lot of information about what's going on. So to some degree, we have to be speculative of what the diagnosis truly is. When it comes to elbows in throwers, there's a couple common injuries. One would be a tendinopathy, which is the, the proper medical term uh, we're using these days. Um, but think of that as like a tendinitis. Just the itis means inflammatory. And then there's also tendinosis with osis meaning degenerative. So a lot of times we don't know which, which one it is without doing further testing. But basically, if he's having a tendon issue then um, it's incredibly hard to treat. It really is because the elbow gets stressed so much with the throwing motion and any kind of elbow pain is usually not the elbow's fault. It's usually due to some sort of mechanical flaw somewhere in the throwing motion. And we know Stafford sometimes likes to throw with a little bit of a sidearm motion, kind of similar to, to how some pitchers will throw certain types of pitches. That's going to increase the stress on that elbow. So the issue here is that a lot of times they don't respond well to treatment, especially in season, because the, the number one way to treat these type of uh, elbow issues is rest. And he can't do that now. Um, the other type of elbow <clears throat> issue that he may be having is something that we see more with pitchers, which would be a, a UCL and ulnar collateral ligament injury. And that can be anything from a minor sprain to more significant injury that you you'll sometimes hear pitchers getting Tommy John surgery for from McVeigh's comments. He said something along the lines of it's not a tendonitis issue, which makes me think, okay, it's probably a UCL issue. Again, the, 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 the treatment is quite similar for the, for whether it's a tendon issue or a UCL issue. It's a lot of rest. 
It's a lot of physical therapy to strengthen up the shoulder blade, the scapula muscles, um, and, and correcting whatever kind of mechanical flaw there is. That's going to be hard to do now that the season started. So the other, the other means of management from a more medical standpoint would be injections, um, PRP injections, stem cell injections, uh, steroid injections to reduce the inflammation. Now those can be helpful, but they're not always helpful. So my concern here with Stafford is that best case scenario is it doesn't get worse. Worst case scenario is as the season progresses, it gets worse and worse and worse and starts impacting his performance. Um, and like I said, best case scenario is it doesn't get, get worse. And he's shown that he can play through injuries, a lot of injuries. So a lot of injuries. I got a list here. <laughs> yeah. Dislocations, knee patella, ankle sprains, tailbone fracture, chest. I mean, there's, there's about 15 more, but so you're saying on, on just a, a simple basis, it's probably not going to get better. And it's a Correct. matter of pain management for him. Yes. All right. So let's make it real simple. Cause that was an awesome detailed analysis there making it super simple scale of one to 10. How worried are you about Stafford this season? 10 being at, super concerned. One being it'll yeah. be just fine. At this time, I would say a four, um, but he's going to be a guy you need to constantly be monitoring because like I said, it, it could just stay where it is and not impact his performance, but it could get worse. So at this time, I would say a four out of 10 is my level of concern. Sure. Okay. So one more question with him then. So are we moving down? So what are our thoughts about Rams pass catchers? So Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, are we moving them down? I mean, I've seen, you know, fantasy Twitter's been going crazy, social media, everything. And people are saying, well, now Jefferson is definitely my number one receiver. Are people just using this as an excuse? Like, I feel like people loved Jefferson and they're just looking for a reason to put him above Cooper Cup. But I'm seeing a lot of people jumping Jefferson over Cup in their rankings now because of Stafford's elbow concern. Is that legitimate or... What, what do you think? Are we here's moving the these way, guys down a little? Yeah, yeah. Here's the way I see it. I see Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase completely equal, tier one. Completely equal. So to me, this is enough reason to have Cup be now my wide receiver three versus a one or two. But again, like he's still an elite option. He's still absolutely an elite option. You can pick him in the first round and be comfortable. You can pick him as your wide receiver one, and I'm okay with that. But to me, it, it's not enough to really bump um, Cupper or Michael um, Robinson down significantly. But if you're going to let it be a deciding factor between them and one other, one or two other players, I think that's appropriate. Okay, cool. So kind of like a tiebreaker. Okay. Exactly. All right. So that is our update. That is our news for today. So let's dive into the show. So it's uh, we are the fantasy injury team. So we should do our uh, our justice here and talk about injured players. So what we're going to do on today's show is talk about injured players that are in the top 100 or so ADP. So we are using fantasy pros ADP, um, the expert consensus rankings over there. And we're going to look at players that are coming off major injuries. We looked at a whole bunch of different information, you know, a whole bunch of different statistics. We're going to go round by round and we'll give you our thoughts on our, uh, the outlook of these players for the 2022 season. 
we looked at a lot of different things. We looked at age, as as Tom will discuss probably very often on this podcast and on our website and, and through everything. Age is a huge factor in recovery time. We see, you know, it depends on injuries, but younger guys obviously tend to recover better and older guys tend to take a little bit longer or their injuries could be career ending. Now that I'm 30 years old, you know, I, I roll my ankle and I'm out or I'm sore for a couple months as opposed to when I was 18 and I'm better the next day, but it, it's a true thing. Um, we looked at points per game. We're always going to be using, you know, for the most part, our baseline is half point PPR. We're going to look at how many games they missed, the likelihood that they're going to succeed this year. And one more thing, since I am a teacher, we are going to provide you guys with a ton of information, statistics, and you might not want to hear this, but to me, at least, there's no one correct answer. It's your guy's job. If you want to be a good fantasy football player, it's your job to come to conclusions on your own. You know, listen to the information we're given to, to the analysis. We're just two guys. We're just two guys who've done, I mean, Tom, of course, doctor of physical therapy, but we've done a ton of research, sure, but you have to take everything, absorb it yourself. Um, think logically, draw conclusions. Again, that's the teacher in me, but we're just going to try to provide you guys with as much info as we can. So without further ado, let's jump in. So first round, this guy's been going at pick number two. He's RB2, Christian McCaffrey, CMC. So his, uh, we're going to look at strength of schedule as well. This year it's 19th, so he's somewhere in the middle. CMC, listen, I mean, the guy's still only 26 years old, smaller guy. He's 5'11", about 200 pounds, ridiculously explosive. Historically, he's probably one of the best fantasy football assets you could have when he's healthy, of course. Many people, especially myself, have been burned by him. Um, I remember last year I was working at a pizzeria watching, I think it was like a Thursday night game or something, and McCaffrey, the injury comes up, and my heart just sunk. I was like, you know what? there goes my season right there. The guy was putting up whatever crazy numbers and it's just, it's heartbreaking, but we know the upside he has, you know, some people have him at the one Oh one. So just a couple of injuries. He's had 2020 week nine, a high ankle sprain. He missed six games, 2020 week 14, a thigh glute strain. He missed four games. And then last year, 2021 week three, he strained his hamstring, missed five games. And then week 12, he had a pedal ankle sprain, which forced him to miss the remainder of the season. So, Tom, what the heck does all that mean? What are your thoughts about, about CMC's injuries and, and his past? Yeah, and, and in there, he also had a uh, AC joint sprain in his shoulder. I think that lined up with um, one of the other injuries you mentioned, so he missed time due to both the injuries at the same time. But let's break these down. So what, what here should you be concerned about? What shouldn't you, should you be concerned about? Yes, there is absolutely injury concern here. The ones that um, <clears throat> concern me the most are the ankle sprains. And let me explain why. Our ankle is a highly efficient joint when it's functioning properly. It absorbs shock. It trans, transmits force to allow us to walk, to run, things like that. It's very involved in our awareness of where our body is when we're standing, when we're running, when we're cutting, when we're jumping to allow us to put our next foot down in the right spot for whatever type of athletic endeavor we're, we're doing. What happens, though, when we have these recurring sprains is this efficiency of, of this ankle system declines. So particularly the high ankle sprains. Are, are quite concerning that he had he had one of those and he missed a lot of time for which tells us that it was a more severe one 
But what happens with ankle sprains is you begin to lose mobility in the joint. So your ability for your shin bone to move over the foot, which is so, so, so important for that shock absorption that I talked about, that begins to decline. With, with sprinting and jumping and these high-level act activities, our, our ankle will take on eight to 10 times our body weight's force. So McCaffrey is something around 200 pounds. So his, when, when he runs, when he's sprinting, you know, it's Newton's law. You, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So he hits the ground with about close to 2,000 pounds of force. The ground strikes him back with that same force. If the ankle can't bend properly, it's not absorbing much force. So now that force goes up to the knee, goes to the hip, goes to the back, and can increase risk for injuries in those areas. The other thing is that there's a neural connection between the, the motion of dorsiflexion, which is when your ankle bends, um, like when you're walking, running, et cetera. That's that motion I was talking about that you lose with these recurring sprains. There's a neural connection between our, our ankle dorsiflexing and our glute muscle in your hip, your butt muscle turning on. Your glute is supposed to be the strongest muscle that we have and is so, 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 so important for athletic activity, for sprinting, for jumping, for, for pushing off but also for landing properly, for your foot and leg stability when you land. So when we think about some of these bad injuries, they're usually non-contact injuries, right? That's because the ankle or the glute or both are not functioning properly to control the leg when you're cutting, landing, et cetera. Um, so because of that, I mean, there's definitely, definitely risk for re-injury here for some type of injury. However, look at that upside, man. Like th this guy can stuff a stat sheet like nobody. He doesn't even need to score and he can get you 20 plus points every single week. So the upside is insane. It's, it's so, it's so attractive. That's why people are taking him at the first pick because he can win you your league. But again, he could lose you your league too. Mm -hmm. It's like the risk and reward, of course. So I think when considering Christian McCaffrey, it, it's how risky are you willing to be this year? He is a very risky player. Um, I personally am ranking him as my 1.1 because I'm willing to take that risk. I know what the upside is. You're wild. And I know. <laughs> I know the upside and I want it. Um, but with that, I understand that I might be screwing myself with my very first pick. So it really depends on how much risk you're willing to take. Fair enough. I mean, every fantasy draft is is about risk and reward. I mean, just some other quick stats as we kind of wrap up here at CMC. So half point scoring in games that he finished in the last three years. So a little bit of a larger sample size. So this is just games that he has finished, that games that he has completed, played four quarters in. 24 games, averaged 24.8 fantasy points. It's ridiculous. It's that a cheat code. Insane. It's like it's like having two positions. But to counter that, again, 2021, he missed 10 games. 2020, he missed 13 games. Last two seasons, he's only played 10 of 33 games. So that's 30%. And the last two seasons, he's finished eight of 33 games, which is under 25% at 24%. So it's risky. I mean, in one of my leagues, I had second pick and I already traded it away because I knew that McCaffrey would be looking at me in the eye and that I would have to take him. So I traded to Ben actually. And I took the seventh pick because I was like, you know what? I don't want the risk. I don't want to even be tempted with it. 
But like you said, you know, to kind of wrap up here, you think it's worth it. So you think it's worth taking McCaffrey with your first pick or very, very early pick. You'd say yes. I do. All right. So that's up to you guys to decide. Are you taking the risk? Are you, are you going for it all? Or are you uh, playing a little bit more conservative in the first round? All right, on to our next player. So this is a guy going at pick number five overall. Again, we're using the Fantasy Pros ADP and Expert Consensus. He's going at the RB4. It's Derrick Henry. So strength of schedule is ninth, which is pretty good. That's pretty favorable. He's 28 and a half years old, so he is getting up there with age. It always pains me to, to say getting up there in age once again as we're 30 years old sitting here because we'd be washed up in the NFL at this point. But guy's a freak of nature, right? Six foot three, 250 pounds. He's got a lot of career touches, 1495 career touches, which right now is top five NFL for active players. By the way, when I was digging, I found a, a crazy statistic. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've already peeped the notes, Tom. If you had to guess, or, or do you know how many career touches Frank Gore had? <laughs> Any idea? So, so what we're saying is that Henry had 14, had, right now is 1,495. He's top in the league. He's with Zeke. He's with all these other guys. How many career touches did Frank Gore have? Oh, my God. A million. <laughs> the, the limit does not exist. So many. All right, throw a number on it. So Henry's at 14,000. 1,400, yeah. 1,400. Um, I would double that at least. So you're saying like 3,000. Yeah, so Frank Gore had 4,219 career Stop. touches. <laughs> it's insane. Stop it. So we're talking about Henry getting up there, and Frank Gore has uh, <laughs> almost tripled that. But uh, obviously, yeah, I mean, I mean, Henry, his efficiency has gone down a little bit um in terms of injuries had a couple of things earlier in his career he broke his fibula this was way back in 2013 so we're not really worried about that a couple small strains but last year week eight a foot fracture um he was put on the ir missed nine games now before that uh he had only missed three career games in five seasons so the dirty durability has been there for him we've seen that um and one more thing, too. Last year, he was on a ridiculous pace. He was winning people their leagues last year. Guy had 11 touchdowns through nine games. I mean, he he was still, like, in the top, I forget, like, the top five, like, a couple weeks after he had already been injured. So what are your thoughts? So, again, back to the foot fracture. Are we worried about it? What's your what's your analysis on yeah, his Yeah, um, I'm really not too worried about it. So he had a Jones fracture, which is the fifth metatarsal, or the fifth bone on the outside of your foot that eventually links to the pinky toe. It's It, it occurs from just a high trauma, like landing on it the perfect way to fracture it. Um, we saw Debo Samuel had this injury a few years ago, and he did. He looked pretty good last year. Yeah, I think he was um, okay. Yeah. Going to some other sports. Um, ben Simmons had this injury. Uh, now he's got his whole his whole own issues going on. But from a re-injury standpoint, we didn't see that happen with Ben Simmons playing basketball. I'm really not concerned at all. Um, I mean, he came back and played in the playoff game. He didn't re-injure it, and now he's had a whole seven months to continue to, to rehab and train. Um, he's one of the ones that I, f I actually follow some of his stuff on Instagram and his training and he, yeah, no, he's, he, he's ready to go. Okay. Fair enough. I, I like Henry. Um, I had him, I mean, I remember me and you debated earlier in the year, who should we take cook or Henry? I think you're still in the cook train. I'm on the Henry train. He's just a beast. Like every time you watch he's the a, guy, he's, he, he's getting 35 touches, which again, experts, maybe rightfully so we're worried. He's going to break down. He's going to break down. 
but he's the type of guy that can defy that to me. We talked about jokingly earlier about Frank Gore, who had 4,000 career touches. Henry, quote unquote, only at 1,400. Yeah, it's a ton, but if somebody's going to defy that, he's it's him. He's a special type of player. Now, his efficiency has been down. Um, you know, it was an all-time low last year, 4.2 yards a carry, which is not even terrible. 3.28 yards after contact. Um, I like him. Um, do you think there's a point? I mean, do you, is there a point in, in people's careers where, like, is there, like, a number? I've seen people say, like, 1,500. Like, once they get to that many touches, they're washed. Like, does it just depend on the case? Like, are you – does yeah. it concern you at all so, that, that he has all these career touches? So here's the thing. In my profession, physical therapy, there's a joke that the answer to every single question is it depends. And that's because it, it depends. Uh, it's case by case here, and there's really no way to know until they start to decline. Um, I mean, you mentioned Frank Gore, who played till he was like 37 or 38 or something. Adrian Peterson's another good example. And I, I know Adrian Peterson's always, everyone's been like, oh, he's like supernatural. He's from a different planet. He's a freak. Henry fits that mold too. So... <laughs> I think Henry can certainly play several more really highly productive years before we start to see a decline. I think so too. I'm with you. I'm not taking him first or second pick, but mid first round, I'm clicking yes on Henry every single time. Love it. Okay. On to our last player who is getting drafted in the first round, late first round again, uh, you know, ADP and, and consensus varies, but it is pick number 12 going at RB eight, Deandre Swift. So I'm listen, I've seen a lot of people say this is, you know, again, you see all this fantasy stuff online. Oh, the guy that can finish as the RB one RB one. I'm seeing so much about him. Strength of schedule is seventh this year, which is very, very beneficial. He's still super young, 23 and a half years old, a little bit smaller. He's five, eight. Deandre Swift is 215 pounds. He missed some time last year, still finished, even though he missed some games, still finished last year as the RB 18 had seven total touchdowns. Not much of a decorated injury history, but last year there were some things that did come up. So preseason, I remember I, I rostered him in a couple leagues. A lot of the, the time it was either like a, a questionable tag or something was going on with him. But he had the groin injury basically on the injury report all, all year. And then in week 12 of last year, he had a shoulder AC joint sprain. Uh, that's just words to me, Tom. I have no idea what uh, it just sounds like a shoulder injury. But Swift missed four games. Um, what are your thoughts? Are we, are we concerned with his shoulder? Is that an issue? Is that, you know, something that's bothering you, stopping you from picking him? Or, you know, what, no. what, what is that injury? So with a shoulder injury, um, re really the only one that would have me concerned from a long-term standpoint would be a dislocation slash labrum tear. They typically go together that was not surgically repaired. The reason is because dislocations have high recurrence rates if, if they're not repaired. That's not what happened here. This was an AC sprain. So the AC joint is where your collarbone meets with um, actually your shoulder blade, but kind of on the, the tip of your shoulder here. Very, very, very common in football players. But here's the thing. It's, it's not something that is due to any kind of mechanical flaw in the way he runs or jumps or anything. This type of injury happens when you get hit the right way. So in order for this to, to happen again, he'd have to get hit the right way again, which would probably injure it anyway, even if he didn't have the history. So I'm not concerned about the shoulder at all, um, or at least no more than I would be for any other running back. 
uh, as far as the groin goes, so interesting data that we found when we were putting together our, our groin injury page, which can be seen on fantasyinjuryteam.com under our injury lists. Um, it's called the adductor groin injury page. We actually do not see any decline in performance at all in running backs first games back from this injury, which is shocking because the groin is highly involved in running and cutting. Um, however, in the medical literature, we see a recurrence rate of a groin injury of about 18%, but that's typically within the first two months of returning to competition. So he's well past that time frame now. So we're not as concerned about that recurrent, um, that recurrence rate right now. Um, there are some identified risk factors for a groin injury, one of which is a previous groin injury. So he's got that. So there is some increased risk. Um, some of the other risk factors would be decreased hip range of motion and uh, a strength imbalance of some of the hip muscles. Those are both modifiable, and I'm sure he's been working on, if those were issues, I'm sure he's been working on those in the offseason. So overall, I'm absolutely no more concerned about injury with DeAndre Swift than I would be for any other running back. Okay, awesome analysis. So he's a guy that we're not, really concerned about the injury, you know, in conclusion, the groin, the shoulder, um, to me to kind of wrap up and, and conclude with him, you know, I'd really give so much of my opinion with the other guys, but to Swift, I am personally fading him this year. I just think I have a lot of just information on him. I think regression's coming again. People are saying that this guy could be the overall number one and I, I he's explosive. He, he's fast. He catches a ton of passes. There's positive things, but Here's some things that might make you reconsider at least a little bit. So in games that they played together last year, Swift outcarried Jamal Williams 92 to 78, which is a lot closer than I think people believe. I think it's much That's more really of a timeshare. It's not 50-50 by any means, but this could be like a 60-40 timeshare. I also love Jamal Williams. Side note, I don't know if you saw his the thing that he did yesterday in, in Lions practice. He just gets people like fired up. He's such a leader. He's, he's awesome. But he gets some of the work there. Um, Swift ranked last, this is, this is a little bit interesting, last among 31 running backs in PFF rushing grade last year. So the efficiency was not great. Um, a lot of his touchdowns were long. He scored last year from 63, 57, and 43 yards. Kind of hard to repeat. And there's some competition for targets. You know, you have Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chark, Jamison Williams, um, TJ Hawkinson. What do you think, Tom? I am fading him. In my home league, I had the 11th pick. I am passing on him. I'm going for some other guys that we might talk about later in the show. What do you think? Does he really have the upside to finish as a top three guy? I mean, probably yes, but what, what do you think? Is, is he worth the ADP at 12? What are your thoughts? The talent's there uh, for sure. What would concern me is what your, your, your stats you brought up about his it's apparently it's a timeshare. I don't think anybody on fantasy Twitter and the fantasy world is, is recognizing that. Um, now he has been from a receiving standpoint and from, a, <clears throat> from scoring from a long distance standpoint, highly efficient, almost like early Camara, early career Camara like. Um, so we have seen this type of player continue to be highly productive over the years. Uh, if you do want to compare him to Camara, um, I, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I think he's a terrific second round pick, though, if he's still there for you. 
Okay. Fair enough. So a little uh, shout out to one of our uh, sponsors here. One of our ads is, uh, is about golf. I love golf. I don't know how much Tom loves golf. I love golf. Do you love your golf coach, but wish the customer experience was a little bit more modern and seamless? Try Estruzzi, an innovative golf coach business management platform designed for players and their coaches. Your Estruzzi player locker makes applying your training materials super easy by organizing images, videos, and training notes in, notes in chronological order by session. Your coach will also love our tools for real-time scheduling, payment processing, and chat. After downloading Estruzzi from the Apple App Store, invite your coach right from the account, set up, and process. From booking to billing, Estruzzi handles it all. Now back to our show. We are in the second round now. A, a big name here, obviously, especially for me being a Giants fan, Mr. Saquon Barkley. So he's going pick 21, RB12. His strength of schedule is kind of right in the middle, 18 there. We know, listen, the guy's got a world of talent in a contract year. He's playing behind. It's not even close. The best offensive line that he's ever run behind. And we've seen him perform behind much worse offensive lines. There's no competition in the backfield. The guy's been on pace for 50 catches every year of his career. He's still only 25 years old. I feel like he's been around forever. Guy's still super young. And again, just like Swift, he's another guy, Tom, that people say can be the number one guy. Um, again, I love him as a Giants fan, but a little bit of a decorated injury history. So 2020, week two, he tore his ACL, sprained his MCL, and he was out for the rest of the season. Last year in week five, he had an ankle sprain and he missed about four weeks. So another guy, world of upside. Um, what's our injury concern level here? What, what are your thoughts about his injury? So the ACL, MCL, the ankle sprain, what do you think, Tom? Yeah, um, so definitely there is concern. Um, to me, I kind of see this similarly to McCaffrey. Like, there's more concern than most running backs, but God, the upside is just so, so wonderful. Um, I'm going to get on my ACL soapbox real quick. So luckily for him, he's in year two. That's when things get better. Year one, and again, you can see the data that we've put together on fantasyinjuryteam.com on our ACL page. It's rough, especially for running backs, more so than receivers. Um, first game back, they're averaging 7.3 points per game worse than their pre-injury baseline games two and three. It's about 6.5 points per games worse. It's, it's bad. Uh, and the reason that it takes so long for running backs to get back or for any athlete to get back is because they get cleared to um to play when they're when they meet about 90 percent on various different tests so that's strength of the quad and the hamstrings there's various single leg hop tests and various other single leg tests that we only require them to be at 90 percent for to be cleared to play but that last 10 percent takes a long long time and we know that everybody in the NFL is so talented that that 10% difference is very significant. Um, so with that being said, I think he's ready to get back to himself this year. We saw a decline in performance last year, but that was to be expected. The ankle sprain is somewhat concerning. We've already talked about that with McCaffrey, how that can potentially predispose someone to future injuries. Um, but overall, I mean, his upside is just so freaking good that I... I'm loving him at this ADP. I think it is 
absolutely stealing from your league mates to take him at his current ADP. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Definitely agree on most of that. I mean, in the beginning of at least when I started doing mock drafts, which was probably a little bit too early, but in you know, late June, early July, I saw Barkley going like start of the third round or even like late second round. Now, as we're getting into as the more casual fans are coming back and there's just more word out there, I'm seeing him go mid-second round. Now he's kind of edging towards the end of the second round. I've seen the guy go at the end of the first round. Personally, I'm taking him over guys like Aaron Jones or DeAndre Swift. But my question, I guess, is why are we willing to give a guy like CMC, right? I guess because of his ridiculous, tremendous upside that we talked about. But he has like a free pass, right? It's like, oh, well, yeah, we'll still pick him second. We mentioned before, he's finished in the last two years, 24% of his games, one out of every four games. And people are like, yeah, we're still going to take him second. But Barkley, guy with a world of upside, guy who could finish as the RB1, people are very skeptical about him and, you know, thinking, well, eh, injuries are still there. So why? Why, Tom? Why are we willing to give CMC a free pass? But with Barkley, it's not the case. We're like, hey, well, he's going to get injured. We're worried about him. What? Yeah. What's the reason? I, I don't know, Joe. I don't know, because McCaffrey actually has more of an injury history than Barkley. I think it's the ACL factor scares people. And as it should in the first year back, it should scare people. But year two is is typically much better. So we're getting him at a bargain right now, and he's going to be a league winner. I think so, too, especially as a Giants fan. And I hope he is a league winner. I hope he uh, helps the Giants win a couple more games than they did last year. Okay. So we're going to talk about one more player today. We still have a whole bunch of players we'll talk about in the next couple of episodes. But we're going to go to round three and pick 26, a name that I look at and I immediately get sick to my stomach. He's going at RB15. His name is Cam Akers. He is a bell cow type of runner when he's healthy. He could get a ton of red zone opportunities and probably one of the league's best offenses. His strength of schedule this year is tough. It's uh, 27th, which is going to be difficult. Again, that, that's tough to use. You know, I've mentioned strength of schedule with everybody, but it is tough to use, but still good to know that he does face a harder run schedule this year. But again, Cam Akers still super young. The guy's 23 years old, two years of NFL, uh, NFL experience. Now, when he came back last year in the playoffs, he looked terrible. He looked like an incapable, washed-up running back. I mean, they might have rushed him back from injury. And, you know, that certainly could be the case. But then McVay showed so much confidence in him, though. And that makes me think that Akers does have potential to be workhorse and to be a three-down running back. But, again, McVay just kind of pushed Henderson to the curb and just said, okay, you know what? <laughs> We're in the playoffs here. Akers, it is your time. But again, I think that kind of is suppressing his ADP a little bit. I believe if he didn't return last year and look as bad as he did in the playoffs, I think his ADP would be even higher. But I think people are using that like, well, he might be you know, done. The injury might have hurt him. But let, let's talk about the injuries. So he had some other ticky-tacky little injuries during his career. You know, He hurt his shoulder at one point had an ankle sprain in 2020 and a rib injury. But what we're concerned with is the big one. Last year, preseason, tore his Achilles. Missed 16 games. Like I stated earlier, he came back in the playoffs. But, Tom, this is a devastating injury, right? The torn Achilles. Tell us a little bit about it. 
yeah, there is no more devastating injury than this one. Um, across every sport, every position, this is the worst injury you can have. And, and the reason is, is because the Achilles tendon is the strongest tendon in our body. It takes on up to 10 times our body weight and force when we're doing athletic activities like running, jumping, cutting. And it is very, very long process. Uh, and, and, and a lot of times the strength never comes back to pre-injury levels. And we know with these elite athletes, the margin between the best and the bench warmers is so small that if you only get 85, 90% of your strength and explosiveness back, you're never going to be the same player. Historically, we have never, ever seen a running back return to a prolific career after this injury. Never. As far as other positions go, we have seen Emmanuel Sanders went on to have a, a pretty, pretty good career after his injury, but he plays a different position. Um, so to me, I am so out on Cam Akers and as, we'll, <laughs> and as we'll talk in, in later episodes, I'm so out on James Robinson as well, because it's never been done. A running back has never come back from this injury and been successful. And he's going in the third round. Are you kidding me? There's so many better options in that area. Now, what he has going in his favor is that he's very young. He was like 22 when he had this injury. If you're going to have this injury, you want it when you're young. That gives you the best chance to recover. And as you mentioned, McVeigh really likes this guy. And McVeigh does have a track record of using one running back. But that was Todd Gurley, who was the best running back in the NFL at the time. So I think he has all the opportunity to be the first player to return from this injury successfully. I just don't think it's going to happen, especially not for the third round pick. Um, and then Daryl Henderson's still there, too, who in 10, 10 games that Daryl Henderson started last year, seven of them, he had double digit points. He's a very capable runner, a very capable pass catcher, pretty good blocker. And then my final point is, do we even know that Akers is good? In his career, he has three double-digit fantasy games. That's it. There's no baseline for him. I mean, no, we're looking back to what is Florida State. I mean, yeah, he's super young still, but what has he done in the NFL that has made people love him so much? A third-round pick. He's a big name. At this point, he hasn't proven anything. He's proven nothing on the NFL level. I mean, sure, McVay likes him, but I don't think that's enough for me to pick a guy like him in the third round. Like, can he gain his explosiveness from his rookie year? And a couple of times we saw him and from Florida state, like you address that probably not, you know, are we worried about Daryl Henderson? Yeah. He's a good NFL running back. And, and my last question, which you already answered is, do we invest a third round pick in a guy with major injury concerns who, by the way, might be in a running back by committee. So yeah, I think all signs no, absolutely <laughs> not. injury team point to no. <laughs> You know, we'll listen to this podcast next year and see how well this ages for us. <laughs> Certainly, I'm out on on Cam Akers. So. All right, Tom. Awesome analysis, like always. Always good to do a show with you. If you guys are enjoying the podcast and if you like this one today, visit our website. We're, we're new. We're, we're growing. We definitely appreciate everything that you guys do and, and, and visiting our website, reading our articles. So we are at fantasyinjuryteam.com. So once again, that's fantasyinjuryteam.com. Make sure you guys follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. We're growing there as well. We're at injury underscore fantasy. Um, subscribe to the podcast. We, we would love to have as many as possible. We're trying to put out as much good content 
content for you guys as possible. But that about wraps up. So next episode, we have a lot more guys to talk about here. These guys that we want to give you as much information as we can. You guys got to decide if you want them or not. We'll give you our best opinion. But we'll talk about Mike Evans, Antonio Gibson, Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Rashad Penny, DeAndre Hopkins, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, James Robinson, and Gus Edwards. So that will be in the next episode. Again, Tom, thank you. Appreciate it. It was a, a lot of fun talking. To Always the, a good time. The doctor of physical therapy. Um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.